0: The Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Land Trust. Have you heard how landowners are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use? Millions of outdoor recreators seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Landowners are partnering with the Recreation Access Network, Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to learn more. That's LandTrust.com slash BOA.
1: Greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, with a great topic, a very timely topic, a very relevant topic. We're talking about agricultural inputs. We're talking about all of the supply chain issues, and we've heard a lot about it here in agriculture, but we're going to get a retailer's perspective. You know, this stuff doesn't go from China to a cargo ship to your field without a couple of people in between. You know, there's the trucking, there's the applicators, there's the licenses that people have to have and there's obviously the warehousing the storage the transportation etc etc um and so we we really are going to get a great perspective on this because i got a fantastic guest a guy i've known since i was about eight years old in fact he gave me some chew at the hunting county 4-h fair i think it was levi garrett sitting on a show box when i was about eight or nine years old um i don't i know i wasn't quite old enough yet to be in 4-h so um that's the kind of people that i had influencing me as a young man so anyway his name's Jim Sproul. He is the regional sales manager uh, for covering northeastern Indiana and southern Michigan for a uh, series co-op. You know, the co-ops continue to uh, merge and consolidate. Series was once North Central, which previous to that when I was a kid was Farm Bureau Co-op. So he covers a pretty big area, a lot of crops in that area. We're going to talk about what he is seeing from the the warehousing and the distribution and the pricing and the availability of all the stuff that we need agronomically to produce crops. Professor Sproul, welcome to the business of agriculture.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Damien. I'm I'm happy to be here and I hope we can communicate some insights that are valuable to your podcast listeners.
1: I know you will. And I think we should probably tell our people here that not only have you and I know it's for a long time, but I bumped into you a couple of weeks ago and you told me you had mm-hmm. never listened to my podcast. And then someone said, you know, they mentioned you in here because you and I bump into one another and some information that you shared. And then all of a sudden now you're into it. So, I mean, maybe you'll end up being like a, a return guest. You'll be like my uh, my ag input and retail perspective guy heading into 2023 but this time we're talking about heading into 2022 dear listener we are recording this november 22nd 2021. So if you're listening to this a year down the road, a lot of things will have changed right now. What we're up against is supply chain backlogs. The average person that watches the average mainstream media had no I never even heard the word supply chain. Well, now it's whacking them in the face. It started with toilet paper that went into the meat and availability at grocery stores. And now it's stuff behind the scenes that most people don't know at all. Like, for instance, herbicide, pesticide and fertilizer. So that's where we're going to go. Uh, big picture here. Uh, Jim, Mm -hmm. your co-op covers a lot of area you cover specifically what would be a pretty big geographical area, you know, where I farm, where I live, um, a lot of stuff happening there. What are you seeing that in your 40 some years in this business is like, holy crap, I didn't, I've never seen this before. Yeah. I think, uh,
2: the interesting thing, um, over that, uh, long career is that almost every year. We deal with something that's like maybe a supply glitch or a product that's you know kind of hung up or something and once in a while in my career we've had two or three of those things but it's always been really easy to uh substitute a product you know move on and really meet our uh our growers needs because that's that's basically what we do here at the co-op we're here to try to service our growers the best we can but I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this is in terms of so many multiple products that really, at times, if we don't, uh, if we don't get some of this solved by springtime, it, it, it could get really interesting. We, we will truly struggle just to produce, uh, you know, an economical, uh, effective and efficient crop. You know, we may get a crop, but it may
1: not be, you know, what we're hoping for. Does that make sense? It does. Now, here's the thing. I've been asked about this doing some media uh, and of course they want to push the story that we're going to have food shortages. And I said, I, I would, sh- I would, I would shy away from that. It was on cheddar news. I've been on Newsmax. It's kind of neat that they, they turned to me and I said, here, here's what I would say. There's going to be a lot of adaption adapting and adjusting that we're going to do, but the American agriculture sector is really, really good at still producing stuff. Um, we will run short or be really improvising on fertility. Isn't that where the biggest shortages, biggest issues are going to be? Yeah. And um, right now, it looks like more and more of
2: that situation is kind of uh, fixing itself if we make all the logistical adjustments that we may need to make by spring. Um, you know, in terms of uh, food shortage, there's no doubt that over the years we've to adjusted a lot of things in nature that have affected crops and yields a whole lot more than this supply chain thing is. So I agree with you 100 percent that uh, I don't think this whole supply and and some of the challenges that we're going to uh, incur here over the next six to eight months is going to affect the overall food supply in a big and a you know big and huge way, especially in our corn and soybean areas. You know, in Northeast Indiana, that we take care of.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we can't speak, and you and I can't speak right now for what might happen in uh, some citrus groves because it's yeah. just really not. And I got people that are in that, and I'm sure that they're dealing with their own adjustments, certainly on treatments like pesticides that they use. All right, let's talk about the fertilizer thing. What the hell's happening? What the hell's happening right now with fertilizer? Well,
2: you know, this whole fertilizer thing, in, in my opinion, all kind of started down this crazy tree when. Uh, the phosphorus producers here in America said that they needed a tariff. They couldn't compete globally in the phosphorus market. Yep. And so they, uh, they uh, obtained a hundred dollars a ton tariff Mm -hmm. and automatically then the price of uh, our phosphate products jump, you know, a hundred bucks a ton. And so, you know, that kind of put everybody in a little bit of a kilter because Even though we do produce a lot of our uh, fertilizer products here in the United States, we don't come close to doing them all, right? Right. We have to import a lot of the fertilizer products that we need. And so in order for us to accomplish that, especially on the scale that we work with um, in agriculture today and with the efficiency and the speed that our customers can put out a crop, We have to have all these things in place, like when the starting gun goes off, we can't we can't resupply ourselves, you know, effectively over a 60 or a 90 day period. And so when when some of these logistical things and then some of these pricing things and some of these export things have slowed down and got a little out of kilter to what we're normally used to, you know, that's what makes us concerned about how this springtime thing go.
1: Right, let's go back. Just uh, you know, you and I both took a couple of economics, agriculture, economics classes. So the American producers said uh, we need a hundred dollar tariff slapped on any phosphorus products. And to the listener that is maybe sells machinery and really doesn't know, or in the food canning business, we got our three macro inputs are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Those are the three fertility products that we use the most of, that we sell the most of, that we need the most of. That's why Jim started with talking about phosphorus. So the phosphate-based products, um, our producers said we need a hundred dollar tariff on that. So that meant that we became a less a less desirable shipping point. And so all of a sudden we were going to run skinny. Is that what you're saying? Well, a lot of people have uh, – uh, you know, there has to be economics.
2: You know, one of the things that works for bringing phosphorus from places like the East and some of those places is we can overcome the shipping costs because there's still demand, you know, in the United States at this level. Yep. And, and we basically, uh, to some extent, artificially change that level by about 15 to 20 percent. And uh, and then that in turn just caused the whole thing to shortage up to where, you know, you know, and, and, and that was kind of the ball that started rolling. It seemed like potash got kind of crazy because of some mine shutdowns, you know, in Canada, they had some trouble with uh, flooding and things like that. And then the nitrogen piece kind of just falls along with that in terms of you know, supply availability and things like that and getting things in place ahead of time. And so there were some delays along the Mississippi River, mm-hmm. which us up here in the upper Midwest depend on that Mississippi train for, a, ah, I hate to say the percentage, but a percentage of those products. And that's a problem.
1: Yeah. All right. So those things got whacked. And here's the the average person's going to say, well, wait a minute, I'm hearing about this. But we're not trying one thing it's it's one thing to say um, there's no T-shirts from China because stores, you know, Kohl's got shut down. So the American Mm -hmm. consumer didn't go to Kohl's and buy T-shirts. So then the mill in China stopped making T-shirts and they stopped putting them on. We didn't stop farming last year. So then the average consumer is going to say, I understand T-shirts being in short supply. Let's just say they are. I don't know if they are, but they right. would say, but for God's sakes, we didn't shut down farming last year. In fact, we planted about a record number of acres because right. commodity prices were high. What's the answer there?
2: Well, again, you're back to that whole, we need X amount of products sitting in a spot mm-hmm. close by here by April, you know, March, April.
1: Yeah, sometime in March or April, we need need a whole bunch of tons either at your facilities or the facility that feeds you because you feed the farms. When if the facilities that feed us
2: would, then they can't feed us fast enough anymore. So we literally have built our infrastructure to where we hold a big, big chunk Mm -hmm. of what we need. They don't have to bring us very much. And that's what makes us concerned is we don't have nearly as much stuff in our hands as we typically would in a given year. And I can give you a great you, you talk about shipping containers. I think I can give you an interesting anecdote that I just heard about last week that a lot of our chemistry products, especially generic chemistry products, the 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 active ingredients come from China. And this has saved our American growers a lot of money over the last 15, 20 years. Yep well those products okay even if they get off the boat and they're sitting on the ground in long beach or la yep the shortage of truckers and trains show up and they go okay you can take this container that is filled with hazardous material which would be those active ingredients right and you can go through all that paperwork and all those regulations you talked about or you can grab this container that's full of bicycles and t-shirts yeah and so they grab the bicycles and the t-shirts and though because because it, it,
1: it's faster because then it's
2: it's less approvals. Yes, less approvals, less you know it, it takes less you know you have to have a specific license to haul those products, yep. which I carry on my CDL, and so there are just a lot of factors coming together. And So we're hearing the rumors that, and, and, and the bad part is that's one of those things. Just because you get the active ingredients moving, yep. still have to become products. Yeah. So. That, them, that can't happen in like you know 30 40 days it's got to happen now so that those products are in jugs
1: you know like tanks ready to go yeah yeah the point is even we got a lag because mm-hmm. just because you got a whole bunch of these active ingredients moved to some place in you know, Michigan. you got to yeah. make you gotta then turn those active ingredients into something that can be utilized for by us which then adds another time frame so it's mostly shipping was it mostly just that the shipping held it all up? most of the things that we're dealing with it, it feels like
2: a lot of it is logistical transportation. Yep. You know, like it's just not getting, it's just not as far up the chain as it should be in November. Okay.
1: Yes. And we're going to cover that some more, but we're going to take a little uh, moment here for me to remind our listeners that, uh, in addition to, in addition to what we do here, I am helping the guys at Extreme Ag produce content that uh, forward-thinking farmers can apply to their operation. Extreme Ag is a consortium of yield record setting farmers from all over the United States. They create extreme ag and they are trialing products, different products, uh, which we hope you can get your hands on from great sponsors uh, that they're using different things saying, Hey, you know what? We're going to try this biological this year and we're going to do these things. So I'm helping them produce content that you can watch. You can go to extreme ag.farm X T R E M E ag.farm extremeag.farm Tons of videos are already out there. I'm helping produce them to communicate what they're doing, some of their practices, some of their business practices, some of their farming practices, and, again, these cool trials. If you want to learn from other people's mistakes and also successes, go to ExtremeAg.farm and see what you can apply to your farm and check out the Cutting the Curve podcast I'm helping them produce. All right, so Jim Sproul, um, what we're talking about here is – the availability, and we talked a lot about fertilizer, and now we talk about active ingredients. You know, there's the herbicides, the pesticides. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, anti modern ag people say, well, it's just be better if we don't use all that stuff. Well, that's cool. It's a neat idea, but we're not there yet. We still have a lot of weeds and uh, pests that want to take our food from us. You don't think there's going to be shortages that are unmanageable? But there definitely are. More than you've ever seen. Stuff's not only in short supply. Like there's going to be some acres that don't get treated, right?
2: Well, I think there are going to be some acres that will not be treated with product of choice. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so, they we'll they will a, our yeah, I, we will I, figure out way. Yeah, we will figure out a way to treat everything and kill weeds and all that. We just may not be able to put the specific products on specific. You know, let's say soybeans, for example. Yep. So we don't see much of a problem right now in a lot of the corn herbicides that we typically use, at least in our part of the country. Right. In other words, that one doesn't look like nearly as big a, a
1: headache coming at us. So you um, think you have adequate amounts of corn herbicide, at least in, in your geography? And again, to the listener, mm-hmm. that's northern Indiana and southern Michigan where you operate. You think you yeah. can have adequate amounts of the herbicides to treat the corn acres that you cover? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our challenges look like they're the most
2: severe in, uh, you know, the glyphosate and glyphenosate market. You know, which is Roundup and Liberty. Those are the ones that we're challenged with right now, um, and uh, you know, some of the other varied products. Then across the board, also we're a little worried about. Again, until they're in our hands and and we've actually been charged a price, it's hard for us to move forward. This is. you know, know, we're headed into our prepay time and we have some products that we really don't have a stable price on right
1: now. So, You're talking about whether you would even have the stuff, but you're saying the manufacturers right now, if I say, Hey man, it's November 22nd, Jim, I want to, I want to buy supply to cover my acres and I'm going to do it now because I'll get a discount. And I also, I lock it in. I can either take delivery or I just have it paid and you say, no, I got those gallons, those ounces, Pounds covered for you. Mm-hmm. I can't do that now because you're saying your manufacturer as of November 22nd hasn't said, cause you normally would have the price and say, do it by December by Christmas and boom.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Damon. Um, we, we would uh, typically have plenty of prices um, on chemistry to where um, we can just come up with a program. You can lock it all in. We can do this. And, Right now, we have certain products that we really don't—we're not able to price to our customers right now because we don't even know what it's going to cost to us. Right, you know when it finally arrives or as we get it, and we still get uh, uh, notifications of uh, transportation surcharges. Okay,
1: and so you know, you're you're seeing these as brand new things where they say we're going to whack you for an extra chunk of money, and you say, well, hell, we we already passed on the price you gave us. So are you eating that? Are you trying to go back to your customers and saying, hey, we got whacked with a $500 surcharge?
2: Well, those those products that are they're getting challenging, We that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure we can provide the right amount of product to our cooperative customers. Again, we're owned by our farmers. Right. And so our charge becomes to provide the products they need. And so a few of those products right now, we just have to kind of, I'll say, wait this thing out and then come up with the price that we think it's going to be on a few of these products when we got enough of it in our hands that we know in other words we might have a few at this price a few more at this price and a few more at another price and some of those products we can sell that way but some products we gotta you know what i mean so allocations are going to happen and we don't know exactly how that's going to sort out until we get to march april time
1: so right now do you have people that say I don't care about the charges. I just want to make sure I have the product. You give me, I want enough to cover all my acres and then and then they're just, they're committed to the the pounds and gallons and ounces to cover all their acres and then they're doing it on a I'll just wait and pay whenever we know what it is. Well, a few products are going to at
2: least start out that way. It looks like, you know, we're probably going to have some products that'll appear just like normal. You know what I mean? They're already in our tanks. We think we know. You know where we're at on them. We feel like you know, we're 85, 90%. We're, we just got other things that, that we just don't have enough product in hand to feel comfortable going to our growers and, and making promises that we, you know, again, may or may not be able to keep. And uh, what about, here's the deal the seed, seed.
1: as you know, mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. Liberty and you got, and I can't keep them all straight. One of them is dicamba and one of them is extend and Liberty is one and one's the other. And one's the glyphosate, And one's the, I can't keep it straight. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a switch off from one and more to the other because of availability? Well, you get, you get into that uh, again, planning phase. And so. Well, we should explain to the listener that's maybe not into the, oh. that understand. there are certain seeds that you use mm-hmm. then with certain, chemical problems. treatments, certain herbicide treatments, yes. and, and they are tolerant and they work together. Yes. And so the point is what the le- person listening maybe doesn't understand is you plant this type of seed, then you're going to have to be on this type of a herbicide program for the whole crop year because you can't mm-hmm. go out and switch off to a different chemistry because it will kill that plant. Right. Right. And and, and when I say we'll find a way to spray them,
2: what well, if we get in that last boxcar and we you know, and we've got Liberty beans or we've got Roundup beans or we've got to extend Dicamba beans and it's time to spray them and the, the product has just not appeared. Yeah. What we'll do is, is some of us old timers who have sprayed stuff like Flexstar and some of those things on soybeans before we had traded beans, we'll have to use products like that to accomplish our end goal, which is a weed free crop, you know, with the And so that. We our, our cost may not be exactly right. You know, it may cost us a little more, but I think we're, we're getting more and more confident that we can get our hands on the products that could substitute. We were even worried about that a month and a half ago. So we're going back to old chemistry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll go back to old stuff. When we go back to old chemistry, uh, the chemical makers would pride themselves on the stuff we're using today. It sure as hell ain't like Atrazine, which ain't like Paraquat. I mean, you start going through the stuff that you touched and I touched. that's probably uh, some pretty nasty stuff. I just named two of them Atrazine, Paraquat. I mean, as we start naming other nasty stuff, we're we going back to stuff that's nastier.
2: No, no, actually, we're going back to, again, things that uh, are actually pretty safe um, environmentally yeah. compared to things maybe like Paraquat. Um, A lot of contact uh, products that we used to use on soybeans um, are actually pretty safe for the environment. They touch some and they deactivate, kind of like Roundup. That's one of the reasons Roundup is so safe for the environment. As soon as it touches soil or plant, it it
1: deactivates. It just doesn't hang around in the environment. You can't tell the people logging on for the class action suit that. But yes, glyphosate's glyphosate the most most commonly used herbicide in the world for a reason. It works and it's cheap. And thirdly, it's pretty safe. Yeah. Um, OK, yield drag. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of switching around. This year was a wreck. Well, we don't know what the numbers are because there's still a lot of crops in the field, but you're saying 174 bushel corn, 51 and a half bushel soybeans. Those were the two predicted numbers coming out of USDA about a month or so ago. Um, based on things around us, it's going to definitely do that. But oh, yeah. next year, do we go down a little bit because of all of the adaptations we're having to make? You know, um, I would say
2: that if we end up, Uh, acquiring the nitrogen that we need for corn, the weather of the season will will determine yield more than the crop P and K and herbicide shortage, you know, and and a fungicide shortage
1: and all those things that might happen. Mother nature will determine it more than they will. Necessity is the motherhood of invention. Um, Is this going to force the person that said, you know, I've been trying to use less fertilizer and get smarter about it. They tell me that if I use the proper cover crops, I'm bringing fertility from down in that subsoil zone up that was never going to be utilized before. Um, a lot of my nitrogen volatilizes and never gets used because I till too much. I'm just thinking through things that I hear agronomically. You're better at agronomy than me, but right. I, I, i'm wondering do we get smarter in america's fields and then two years from now i say holy crap turns out we're using 20 percent more of these products than we really needed to because i just changed some of my practices does that happen
2: well i don't know i think we have pretty good research that says it takes so many pounds of something to make so many pounds of something else yep and i think that the uh the truth of uh, extracting deeply held nutrients with cover crops. I think our uh, soybean, alfalfa, and corn crops are just as effective at bringing those nutrients back to the surface as any cover crop we
1: could grow. Because we're still going with... 10 to 10 inch to three foot root base, depending alfalfa's down there three foot. So right. why would we be not getting nutrients out of that soil when alfalfa right. roots are down three foot anyways, what you're saying? Right. Right. And then
2: the other side of the crop uh, conundrum with fertilizer. And one of the things that, you know, we have to manage and struggle with is, okay, so we do capture those nutrients, especially like nitrogen. But then in order for those nutrients to be available to the crop, they have to break back down out of those plants. And so it's hard to predict when those nutrients may become available again for that crop that you're trying to provide nutrients for, if that helps
1: so you don't think that we're going to say, hey, we figured it out because we were concerned about supply uh, availability. We figured out that we can use less of these inputs. You don't think we're going to do that in 2022? I think that we
2: are already doing a whole lot, as much uh, GPS fertilizer applications we're doing, as much analyzation as we're doing with soil testing and all those things that we do. I think that we're constantly this year now searching for, fields and areas where the maximum, you know, amount of fertilizer may or may not need to be applied, especially P and K because those levels in those fields have been maintained at, you know, a level above where they would affect yield. And so there may be a little bit area in there that we can, we can play with on P and K. The challenge becomes though, uh, Damien, that, We want to make sure at some point we have to replace that PK. It's like a bank. PK is like a bank. And so, should I replace it with you know eight hundred dollar potash and nine hundred dollar MAP, or should I replace it with a thousand dollar potash and fourteen hundred dollar MAP? Yep. You know, or or how does that work? The the one wild card in this thing is nitrogen because we're gonna have to supply it for the year for a given you know corn crop, and we want to utilize every pound of that nitrogen we
1: can. And that's the challenge that's probably in front of us as we move, you know, into this season. Okay. So are things dicier now in November, you got your crystal ball, Mm -hmm. then they will be, we'll get to April and we'll say, you know, we maybe overreacted, but it's a good thing we did because now do you think things are looking better now and, or, or, or worse now than they will come April.
2: I, I think it's already in a few instances um, improved drastically over the last 45 days in terms of what it appears. will. And again, that problem isn't solved, mm-hmm. but it looks closer to being solved than it did 45 days ago. And none of the situations have really gotten worse. You know, I will say that in the last 45 days. In other words, we're not any worse off than we were 45 days ago. Right. And I also, you know, you you, you bring up the point, I've lived through some of these things. I just never lived through this many of them all happening at the same time. And again, we've, we've always seemed to figure out a way. Mm-hmm. I just know we can't raise a corn crop without nitrogen mm-hmm. that, and, and we probably can't raise a good crop without weed control. Right. And, and those are the two things that, you know, P and K doesn't scare me because I guess at the, at the, at the very least we could go a whole year without putting on any P and K would still mm-hmm. affect yield in some places. But we wouldn't, you know what I mean. Yeah, wouldn't, so it wouldn't be like a, it
1: wouldn't be devastating. Wouldn't be devastating. And then the other part of it is on the uh what about the new stuff that we never even saw when you and I were kids? You know, these biologicals, those things seem to be, we got plenty of those things. And does that help? You know, that I'm probably not as um educated
2: on those because there are so many of I them. Mean, there are so many ways that they think they've unlocked a um, a, you know, a key to something, mm. and you know, let's face it. I think we all um, in agriculture are aware that soil is not just dirt. Mm. You know, soil is a living, breathing organism. Mm. And the more we treat an acre of soil like we would a dairy cow, you know, or a beef cow, or an animal, and and we try to care for the soil, and we try to, you know, what I mean. I think the more we are aware of that, I think the better off we are. And so. I think there's all kinds of opportunities. I mean, there are things that we're doing now that we weren't doing 30 years ago. You know, when I started as an ag in the ag retail business that, you know, we're probably considered, Oh my gosh, we don't, we don't even need to worry about that. That'll never
1: be anything. Yeah. Do. We're, we're doing a better job. And I, I just wonder, do some of those, some of the biologicals will, uh, you know, their, their value proposition is we get more out of your, uh, soil we get more we get more bang for your buck and and you know we reduce stress and so i wonder if those things will end up helping and getting more wider adoption because right. of the pricing usually it's money let's face it this is a business but all of a sudden i'm out here farming four thousand acres and i'm like holy crap if i use this biological it cost me seven bucks an acre but it allowed me to take 17 less of phosphorus potassium nitrogen whatever know, is that, are you seeing that
2: yeah i, I mean i've, I've uh you know, I try to stay up on as much as I can. I, I'm one of those who used to work when I was working directly with growers was solve the big problems first. I, You know, it's like make sure your pH is OK. Make sure your phosphorus and pot ice levels are where they should be. Make sure you're doing a good job of weed control. Make sure you're doing this for this pest. Make sure maybe you're using, you know, treated corn when you need to. And then these little things at the other end yep. might my, but there's no reason in my mind to use biologicals or any of those other things if you haven't solved like a drainage problem yeah. or a fertility problem or, you know, you've got terrible weeds. A biological does not make you a millionaire.
1: This, this, is, the is. Same, this is the same concept as uh, the person that's got diabetes, heart disease, and is 400 pounds overweight. And then you're telling them, uh, hey, the one thing you really need to do is... Uh, you know, drink a diet coke. It's like let's start by let's start by getting off of this 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 and this. Let's see what yeah. So take care of as you said. Yes. Uh, for, go the right seed. Then then and then right. the care for the soil and then the fertility of the soil, the drainage of the soil, the erodibility factor of the soil, the compaction of the soil, and you cover all those things. So after you and then like you said, the right fertility and then and then the right weed management and then. Then we go to the next thing.
2: Well, now don't forget, plant the crop right at the right depth and the right spacing. Yeah. That, that that ends up being, you know, like the next big step. You can do everything else right. And like you said, if you don't pick the right seed and you don't plant it right,
1: yeah. all those plans kind of go out the window. Yeah. Yeah, make sure that you're getting it in at the right soil temperature, at the right depth. And they right. talk about uh, you know, the right uh, emergence, yes. emergence rates and timing. Yeah. All right, so what else do we need to know? So I'm out here as a customer or I'm a farmer. I'm somewhere in between. I'm in the business of agriculture. Last thoughts from a retail perspective heading into 2022 about the agricultural inputs. You told me that every acre will probably get treated. We're going to, have to get very creative. There will be some adaptability, which is good. And that's where folks like you with experience are like, okay, now we're not using the same products we did last year but it's okay we still know how to do it you think there's going to be um probably things look like they're improving that's a positive sign so there's less panic um is there hoarding are do you have farm customers that are just man i gotta get that shit while i can because they're gonna be available is this the toilet paper phenomenon? is that going on well it might be if
2: there was any toilet paper to hoard the problem is, there isn't any toilet paper on the. It, it's like we went into Walmart, the shelves are already empty. We're waiting on the truckload. Okay, we so think the yeah. truckload's going to show up.
1: Okay. So there's, there, there's not some farmer sitting with uh, the ag input equivalent of uh, a warehouse full of toilet paper. Okay. Um, anything else that we're forgetting? Uh, weather, you said, is probably going to be as big of an impact as any of the inputs. And that's always right. been the case. So there's nothing there. Anything that we're forgetting?
2: Well, I mean, again, I think it just ends up being a logistical challenge and it becomes a bigger and bigger challenge as we move uh, each year farther into these farmers who can plant acres and acres and acres in such a short window frame. Right. And that's why we've had to adapt and build, you know, hubs like at Mentone to hold a lot of stuff Yeah, because we can't wait for it to come from Canada. We can't wait for it to come from Florida we have to be able to touch it, feel it, and be ready to deliver it. And so, you know, it's one of those things that if our planting season starts on the 10th of April and for whatever reason stretches to the 25th of May mm-hmm. in Northeast Indiana, we are, we won't probably see any trouble, you know, yep. but if it starts the the 3rd of May and we need to be done by the 12th, then yeah, we're all going to be scrambling and running around
1: and you know what I mean? As fast as you can, because, yeah, and like you said, the machinery is so efficient and so big, and and uh, when the conditions are optimal, we can cover a lot of acres quickly, and then it becomes the issue of they, you can't keep up with the, the inputs that are needed. Right. Right. And that could be an issue. Um, all right. His name is Jim Sproul, regional sales manager, serious co-op. If you want to reach out to him, it's J Sproul, S-P-R-O-W-L. Sprout J Sprout at series c e r e s dot com. No, no, it's co-op. Oh, I'm sorry. Series c o p (laughs) J Sprout at series c e r e s dot co-op i'm sorry um anyway yes uh anyway guy i've known for a long time gave me my first i don't think it was my first clearly i was chewing levi garrett with my brother eric yeah. previous to that and yes. then so along comes along comes mr Spross said hey you got some chew on you and you know why not eight-year-old i didn't kid know you were eight years barn. old you look 14 sure eight-year-old kid hanging out in the dairy barn at the 4-h fair okay anyway so good information um i think that this um this flies in the face of some of the things that the average consumer is hearing that we're going to have food shortages. And, you know, there may still be, but it's not probably going to be because we we don't get our acres treated. Yes. It's going to be, again, the whole food
2: chain. I I tell people all the time, there's more money in transportation of food Mm -hmm. than there is the food itself. There's more money in the cardboard packaging box than there are the Wheaties.
1: Yeah. Packaging, packaging, promotion, and, uh, uh, and getting it there is certainly yeah whenever i uh, which you and i both know that and i tell the media that when uh, they talked about food pricing and i said well uh when corn went to seven dollars back in 2008 uh, i think it was nine then we had to hear about uh, that's why these that's why a box of cornflakes went up 75 cents i'm like bullshit there's yes. the price of corn in that box went up one penny the the amount of corn in that box of cornflakes went up one penny if they would have used that to justify a 75 uh bump at the grocery store that's fine but don't blame us right if
2: here's the here's the way i look at it when fuel goes from 250 to 350 that's a
1: lot bigger impact on that box of wheaties Mm.
2: than corn doubling in price
1: yeah. Well, by the way, we're talking about Wheaties and corn. So call it cornflakes. But yes, yeah, so, uh, cornflakes. Sorry. Or wheat or wheat. We'll talk wheat with wheaties. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, exactly. Fuel, fuel and the packaging, et cetera. All right. His name is Jim Sproul. They know how to get a hold of you. My name is Damian Mason. Again, check out what I'm doing here. Share this with your non-agricultural friends. And if you are a farmer and you want to check out what's going on with the Boys of Extreme Ag, check out my work over there. Again, that's extremeag.farm. But do share this with folks because there's a lot of people asking questions about this. You know, I'm, I'm on Arizona now for the winter and I bump into my suburban friends and they ask me about, hey, I saw that we're not going to have any food on the shelves. And I'm like, it's not going to be because America's farming operations. It's going to be because of other issues. So yep. anyway, thanks for being here till next time. Thank you, Damien. See ya. Thanks, man. Till next time. It's the business of agriculture.
0: This episode of The Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Land Trust. Landowners, just like you, are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use. Millions of recreators actively seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Owners of farm and ranch properties are partnering with Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to learn more. That's LandTrust.com slash BOA.